are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. You know, there are so many biblical examples of an upside-down kingdom. We've been sharing about a few of them, and we're going to be continuing in the next couple of weeks on sharing a couple more, but there's so many that we're not going to be able to get to. You know what? It's just so amazing when we get into the Word and we just see these, these things. And one example that I, that I was looking at that is kind of like, okay, we're not going to hit that one, but again, I think it's a really important one, is for us to esteem others better than ourselves. See, that's, that's weird. You know, because we're taught to look out for number one. We're taught to, you know what, you fight for whatever you want. You fight to get it. But yet the Bible says, no, 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 esteem others better than yourself. How can we do that in this culture? So as I was reading the word a little bit more, I read this. John, uh, the Bible says, um, all who have, uh, out of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John. Yet even the least person in the kingdom is greater than he is. So I thought John is one of our board members. And, and, and John, the, the, the word says, none is greater than you. So I thought maybe you can come up and share, oh, John the Great, on esteeming others better than yourself. Well, that's a tall order. Of course, we know that isn't true, right? You all know that, right? (laughs) Right on. Yeah, um, esteeming others greater than yourself, it seems like for sure that is a tall order, right? Definitely not one that uh, we're taught in the world system, right? But you know, uh, you and I, we got an advantage. And uh, that advantage is that Jesus has died for us, paid the price for us. You notice the cross is nothing, nobody on the cross there, right? He's gone, right? He's in heaven. And he, uh, he paid the price for us, and he gave us the tools to get things done. Amen? So, we have been given brothers and sisters, a a new heart, a recreated heart. And uh, that's the only way that we're really going to get this done is by uh, following our hearts. Amen? Because if you were to listen to your head, uh, you wouldn't do that. You would look out for number one, and you would do the same that the people, a lot of the people that you rub shoulders with, right? In Philippians 2, 3 to 5, it says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem another better than, himse- than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now, here's a good one. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. So that's the way to get this done, is to get the mind of Christ. Because Jesus, you know, he gave up everything for you and I. All right? So let that mind that was in Christ, let that mind be in you, and let that mind be in me, and then we'll be successful in the area of esteeming others before ourselves, right? Okay? So how do you get your mind renewed? The Bible says in Romans 12, too, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the only way to do that, brothers and sisters, is through the Word of God. Amen? So I think we found some keys here today. Amen? That can help us to be exactly what Jesus has asked us to be. Amen? Praise the Lord.
There's a mini teaching, amen? Thank you, John. Now, I thought to, uh, to keep the theme of John's this morning, I would share a story that John Maxwell writes in his book, Leadership Gold. A couple of redneck hunters were out in the woods when one of them falls to the ground. He doesn't seem to be breathing and his eyes are rolled back in his head and the other redneck starts to panic and whips out his cell phone and calls 911. He frantically blurts out at the operator, my friend Bubba's dead, what can I do? The operator tries to calm him down and says, take it easy, I can help. Just listen to me and follow my instructions. First, make sure he's dead. There's a short pause, the operator hears a loud gunshot. The redneck then comes back and says, okay, now what? Sometimes it's easy to hear the words without listening to the real message. We think that we know what's being said, but we don't clarify the situation before jumping to unnecessary conclusions. We're given two ears and one mouth for a reason. Let's become better and more skilled listeners. In doing so, we improve our relationships and have better understandings of each other and reduce confusion. Listening is so important. It's a tool that over the years we want to hone and we want to really work at. You know what, there's times where, where my wife will, will say something to me and, I, and, and I'll know it and I'll really work hard on, on listening to make sure that, that I'm understanding what she's saying. And then yesterday we had that women's breakfast and I was talking to, to Keith Bureau at the back there and Keith says, you know what, when your wife sp speaks to you, sometimes you just look at her like a bull moose, like, huh? I have no idea what you're talking about. Listening is a skill. I remember going to a conference one time and there was a doctor speaking and, and, and he used these words that were just so textbook that finally I took my name tag out and I wrote Jethro on the back of it and I put my name on there and he goes, what are you doing? I said, Miss Hathaway, I have no idea what that man's saying. I find it really interesting in Luke chapter 6 in the red letters that is highlighted section where Jesus spoke, he starts out his speech with this statement. But to you who are willing to listen. Isn't that interesting? That Jesus would start out that way? I wonder why. I like how one commentary put it. It's like an explanation mark for those who are believers. I'm about to share something that's important. I'm about to share something that's paramount. Are you listening to what I'm saying? What if they heard it that day? I wonder if we hear it today. For I believe that the Holy Spirit is wanting to highlight something this morning. He's wanting us to not only hear, but walk out the red letters, the exact words of Christ himself. Let's read together Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. But to you who are willing to listen, I say love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray, those, pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer them your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like done to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money to others, uh, to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lead to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then you will, your reward from heaven will be very great. 
and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for he is kind to those who are thankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your father is compassionate. Martin Luther King Jr. said, we must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. He is devoid of the power to forgive, to devoid of the power to love. There is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. When we discover this, we are less prone to hate our enemies. Today's culture of heaven message is love your enemies. The world will tell you if, if someone does something to you, then you know what, you want to get them back twice as hard. You want that to make a statement to know never to mess with you again. But yet we just read that Jesus says do good to those who hate you. As believers, we're living by a different set of standards. You know what, just, let's just go back and take a look at this verse again. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Do you see the standard? Anyone can love people who love you. But, you, but can you love someone who really does despise you? You know what? My wife reminds me of this all the time. When someone celebrates you, and when someone, you know what, you, you, you come into church maybe and you see across the room that, that person that just makes you feel good and feels warm, often you can just put on the blinders and just go there. But other times, maybe we're walking down the street and we see someone, it's just like, oh, that guy or that girl. When all, and we, we just look the other way and just pretend we didn't see. Or we're walking in the grocery store, we get to go down the aisle, we see, oh, not that aisle, no, no. You're laughing because you've done it. <laughs> See, it's like, it's like this illustration. Who is the most fit, the most athletic person in this room right now? Let me see. By general consensus, that would be Ernie. Okay. Ernie, come on up here, buddy. I got to get some stage lights here. All right. We got a basketball net, and we got a ball, and I want you to score a goal. Any way you want, buddy. Just get it in the net. I don't care. You can walk up to it and dump it in there. You can throw it. Whatever you want to do. But I want you to score a basket. Hey! How hard was that? It was easy? Do it again. Let me see. You're one for one. All right. Not too bad. See, anybody can do this. It's not too difficult. Now, Ernie, go on the floor. All right? Score a basket. All right. Good. One for one. Now, you were two for two up here. And you're one for two down there. So here you're shooting 100%. Here you're shooting 50%. Why? It's harder. It's harder to be able to do that because the goal is higher. And we as Christians, we have goals in our life. See, anyone can do that. It's easy to love those who love you. But when we just sit in that place and say, God, 
Help me to love that person that is really difficult for me to love. And you know what? In a room this size, there's people who've been genuinely devastated by people. There's people in this room who've been molested by people. There's people in this room who've been beat by people. It's like, how can I love that person? How can I do that? You know what? How? I'll tell you how. By the grace of God. You on your own strength can't. It's impossible. We've been wronged. We've been hurt. We've been ostracized. Yet by the grace of God, we're like, God, help me to love. Help me, God, not to walk in bitterness. But Lord, I ask that you help me to let that go and choose to pick up the cross and walk the way that you're asking me to walk. That Fat, my friends, maybe even the basket that we try to shoot from back here. It is so hard. I missed because it's hard. And it's like, Lord, I missed. I didn't do it. God, by your grace, give me the grace, God. And the Lord brings us closer and closer until it's kind of like, Lord, I did it, God. I can say I don't hold bitterness towards that person anymore. Lord, I love them. Every one of us in this room has been hurt. Everyone in this room has run into people who, who like to make life more challenging. See, I find that there's four different levels of hurt that we can experience. The first one is people who do something to us but have no clue that they did anything. You know what, maybe, maybe you're, you're driving in, in your car and all of a sudden someone cuts you off and you're like, oh, that not nice person. Because all of a sudden you feel that anger come inside and they may be clueless to what they just did. Number two is people who are just insensitive. There seems to be a, a new movement of arrogance that's coming around. I can say whatever I want and if you don't like me, I don't care. That's really godly. You know what? We want to be, iron sharpens iron. We want to come alongside, and not that we're trying to people please, and we want to be real, and we want to be transparent, but do you see there's a difference between arrogance and, and wisdom? Number three is people who hate you because of something you have heard or seen. Racism falls into this. I don't like you because you're a different color than I am. I don't like you because you're Muslim, and I don't like Muslims. I don't like you because you're liberal and we're in conservative Alberta. And all of a sudden we have a hatred that goes in towards a brother or a sister because of something that we don't like. And number four is people who hurt you on purpose. There are evil people in the world. And there are some who hate you because you have something that they want. Whether it is just they have, uh, or, or perhaps they've just set their sights on you. God has given each one of us a free will. We have a choice whether to pick up an offense or be, or, or, um, and have someone become an enemy, or we can lay that down and surrender it to the Lord. See, I was trying to think of an illustration that would really work here, and 
I think I'm pretty transparent. I think I've shared a lot of my stories. Some of you who knew might not have heard them. Some of you have been here a long time. It's like, oh, here he goes again. So I called up Josephine, and I said, Josephine, would you share this morning a little bit about your life? Because you know what? I don't know you, Josephine. You're fairly new here, and I'd love to hear your story. Josephine, welcome. Amen. Yeah, when Pastor Lance got in touch with me and asked if I could share my experience with Brothers on Forgiveness, the first thing that came to my mind was I was going to face the whole church. <laughs> but because I couldn't say no to him, here I am today. Back home in Nigeria, I belonged, I was a member of the church choir and I've been doing that over the years, and I just felt that was a ministry God called me into, even though I'm not a fantastic singer. There was a sister, in, or there is a sister in the church choir who sits very close to me, but she always put her bag in between us. I never knew what I did to her, but she hated me with, I mean, this hatred was so intense, and I just couldn't figure out what I did to her. I tried to make peace, but there will always be a sin. She will create a sin. And I just didn't like this thing. And this sister was the direct opposite of her husband. Her husband was a gentle man that feared the Lord. But she was trouble personified. And she would slander me. In my presence, she would do all sorts of things to me. So I wonder what she even does when I'm not there. Over time, she co-opted her sisters, her younger, uh, younger siblings, into this war against me. And in church, they would make comments at me. They would do all sorts of things. And at some point, the man in me wanted to react. I just felt, this lady is no older than I am. She doesn't have two heads. There's no, she's not carrying fire on her head. I could also react because I'm human. But sometimes this voice just tells me, if you react, and the trumpet sounds while you're reacting, God is not going to excuse you because of what this lady has done to you. He's going to judge you based on the way you reacted. And so I kept praying that God should just give me the grace to hold on. And in Africa, we go to church a lot. Sometimes you go to church four times a week. Sometimes you go to church five times a week. And I have to see this same sister every day. Sometimes when I'm coming, she just looks the other way. Or sometimes when I'm in a group of people, she'll say hello to everybody and just ignore me. And even when I try to, like, say hello, she, you know, puts me off. Before I knew what was happening, she co-opted her kids. The kids were, even the children's church, the kids were really, I don't know. To my kids, it was something else. My son has a scar, a permanent scar on him. That was as a result of a push from one of our kids. So this thing had moved from, it's now like generation to generation. And I was just praying. At some point, I just told God, I said, God, I can't hate this person. Because the Bible says, if you have a gift to offer to God, and you're going to the altar, and you remember that you have something against someone, it says you leave your gift, go back and make peace. But this is a sister who was not willing to make peace. And, but I kept praying that God should just help me to love her. And someone told me that Frederick Price wrote a book. In one of his books, he said, some people are not lovable, but you love them because of God and for yourself. 
I never read that book, but I just said to myself, oh, this is that person that is not lovable that I must love. And so one day after service, just like people will be in the foyer, I just saw one of her younger sisters and I said hello and she didn't respond. And I just mentioned her name. I said, I'm, I'm talking to you. And she just turned and faced me and said, must I talk to you? Is there a law in the world that says I must say hello to you? And she just started screaming in the church and I was really ashamed. And I just felt, God, for how long am I going to continue with this? And of course, the malice from the, you can imagine almost a whole family fighting you and you don't know why they were doing it. There was a particular time in the office where I worked in an hospital in Nigeria. And one of us younger sisters who was at the, in the university there needed to do a six-month experience in the hospital where I worked. And a lot of students applied from all over the country. And we had very limited uh, vacancies for these students. The head of the department actually rejected her, but I went to the head of the department to say she was my sister. And this is someone who is giving me a lot of trouble too. But I went to the head of the department to say, please help me, this is my sister. And she said, I'm going to do this just because of you. So she accepted her. And I got to, this, to the church and this sister, that's the, the one who is always the troubleshooter, just came to me and said, oh, thank you, sis. I knew you were going to do it. I told my sister to come to you because you're very nice and you would do it. And I was like, oh. <laughs> so I thought with that, I was going to be free completely from her, but I was just free for like a week. And she started again and again. And, and it got to a point that if I get to the church and she doesn't come to church or she doesn't come for choir rehearsal, I'll just be like, oh God, thank you. She's not here today. If we're in the rehearsals and everybody's like there's a meeting and everybody's supposed to make contributions, if every other person talks, no problem. But as soon as Josephine talks, there's trouble. And one day I just got tired. I went to the husband. I said, please talk to your wife. I don't know what I did to this lady. She would not allow me rest in church, in your house, everything. I don't know. But I keep hearing everything she does. And the husband said, sorry, I'm going to talk to her. I said, I would have reacted, but... I just thought of so many things. And the husband said to me, if you had reacted, I would have been more disappointed in you than her. And I just wonder why somebody would say a thing like that about his wife. Somehow the husband got ordained as a pastor and I said, oh, thank God the husband is a pastor. Now I'm free. A sister actually walked up to her in church after the ordination and said, now that your husband is a pastor, I hope you're going to change. But like she changed for like a week or two and she was back to herself again. At some point, it started affecting others. I now became the counselor to others. Oh, you just hold your peace. Just pray for her. All will be well. So someday, one of our younger sisters just walked up to me in the church and said, Sister Joe, I don't know what you did to me. I just want to say I'm sorry for all that I've done to you. Even when we discuss you in my house, I keep telling them I don't know what you've done. I said, thank God, at least my prayers are working. But I just told myself, I said I was going to develop a thick skin. I was going to be praying for this sister. I was going to in fact, sometimes I tell God, you know I'm not keeping Mali. She's the one that is not talking to me. I try talking to her, but she would not, you know, talk to me. But somehow I just prayed for God to help me. Like I said, I was in the church choir. When she's supposed to back me up, she will never back me up. She will ask somebody else to back me up. And I would just, like, take it off. And I learned to close my eyes during worship because she stays right in front of, you know, where I stay when I'm singing. And... Her mood could affect the praise I'm leading. So it was that bad. It was that bad. I, I didn't know what to say. Again, the pastors and elders in the choir tried to intervene, but 
She couldn't really say what I did to her, but she just didn't like me. It now got to a point, like I said, I started praying and praying and praying that God should just help me to love her. In fact, there's something we say in our church, I love you by force. So I started loving her by force and I started praying and praying. Before long, whatever she did never really bothered me again. And I just told myself, I said, even for what Joyce has not done, I've forgiven her in advance. And so everything she did later never really mattered to me. But last year, things took a different dimension. Suddenly, Joy started warming up to me. I don't know how God did it. She would just, I'll come to church, she'll compliment me. Oh, I love your shoes, I love your this, I love your that. And when she knew I was going to relocate to Canada to join my husband, she started saying, oh, I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss you. And finally, the day I left Nigeria, you won't believe it, Joyce was with me for two hours at the airport. Two hours. And she keeps calling me now. She, her kids talk to my kids. And I don't know how God did it, but somehow I just found myself loving somebody that I, that I shouldn't ordinarily love because of what she's done. In fact, I can't mention all the things to, she did to me. But it was so, so much. But somehow God helped me to release her. And here I am today. Thank you, my dear. Bless you. Thank you so much, Josephine. What a powerful testimony. How many mama bears do I have out there? Someone push your kid and all of a sudden they have a permanent scar and you're just like, you know what, I'm going to continue to pray for them? Or are you like, forget it. I am going to find the biggest, toughest grade five I can. Pay them with a McDonald's Happy Meal and we'll get the deal done. You want to hit, the Bible says it's full of hidden jewels and gem. You want to hear a hidden jewel to gem this morning? Here's a tip of how we as believers can overcome such difficulty. Again, it's in verse 28. It reads, bless those who curse you and pray for those who hurt you. <sighs> Lord, have I been getting it backwards? Have I been cursing, for those, cursing those who've been hurt me and not praying for them because I don't even want to think of them? I remember a story from John Bevere. He's an author. And there was a guy who ended his career at the very beginning as a church with something that was not true. And he's like, I don't know why this guy did this. And he says, one day, he says, evidence came upon my desk that showed that I was innocent. And I was going to take that into the senior pastor and show him that it was a lie. And the Holy Spirit says, I want you to destroy that. This is something I got to teach you. So he got fired. And then he just hated that guy so much. And then John Bevere says, you know what I did? He says, I went out to, the, uh, to a field, and I started praying. I said, Lord, I'm going to pray for this guy every day until you tell me to stop praying. So I prayed every day. He says, and it started out, Lord, I pray for him. Amen. <laughs> he says, but as it went, he started to have his heart soften towards this individual. And then the Lord said to him, he says, I want you to go buy him a gift, and I want you to give it to him. He's like, all right, uh, I think the dollar store is still open. And he says, no, I want you to buy him something that you want. And he, I can't remember what it was. He had something that he was saving up for. He's like, Lord, no. 
Went and bought that thing. Gave it to this guy. Went out of the field the next day, and he started praying again. He screamed out in the middle of this field. He says, God, I love him. And God says, you're finished. That's tough. Christianity is not an easy road. There are high expectations that Jesus gave him and has given us as disciples. But as any great leader, Jesus modeled this answer himself. He made a statement to this day, makes the very demon shudder. You know what that was? He says in Luke 23, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's an upside-down kingdom. Jesus experienced betrayal. One of his 12, his close brothers who ate with him, slept with them, laughed with them, cried with them, betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. His best friend denied even knowing him. He was spat upon, he was whipped, and his own people chose to release a proven murderer instead of Christ. But his redemption, his mercy is unbelievable. You know, the Bible says that his thoughts, they're not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. You want proof of that? All the betrayal that Jesus experienced, all the weight of the sins of man were placed upon him. He's hanging on a cross, being mocked and scorned. And, he's, and a man speaks to him who can't offer him anything or give him anything. And let's pick up the story from there. A thief, a wicked man turns to him. Let's... Um, one of the criminals who were hanging there hurls abuse at him, saying, Are you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you were under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we receive what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, and he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. That thief couldn't give him anything. He didn't barter with him and say, hey, you know what, man? I'll say, yes, you're in my kingdom. Just, do you got something that will get, relieve the pain? Do you got something that will get me out of this situation? He's just like, you know what? I offer you a gift in the midst of tremendous suffering. Perhaps you're here today, Ernie, and you've been carrying bitterness. Perhaps you have every reason in the world to hold on to that because you were wronged. I'm asking you this morning, will you let it go? Will you release it to Jesus and simply say, Lord, I don't want to be burdened by this anymore. Jesus, help me to take that higher road. Today, Lord, I want to choose to love my enemies. If that's you, and Holy Spirit, as he's hovering over this place and moving from individual to individual. The Holy Spirit speaking to your heart saying, you know what? There's that person or those, that people group who have wronged you. And today I'm asking you, will you give it to me? Will you surrender that? Because I want to take you to a whole new level in me. If that's you, would you stand to your feet with me right now? We're not going to belabor this. I just want to give it another second. Holy Spirit, move. We want to be free. We want to be free. Lord, we don't want to hold on to bitterness. 
God, we don't want to hold on to judgments. God, some of us in this room have been hurt so badly. God, would you help us to let that go? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, God. Every single person who's standing in this room, would you repeat after me this morning? Lord, I don't want to carry the bitterness anymore. Today I choose the higher road. Lord, today I choose not my will, but yours be done. Lord, would you release me from the prison that I've thrown myself into. And today, I choose to let the person out of the prison I cast them into. And now that I've let that go, Jesus, there's a void in my heart. I allowed anger to take up residence. I allowed hatred into my heart. And Lord, now I ask that you would fill it with love. A divine love. A love that covers a multitude. I declare this morning that I am free in the name of Jesus. For today, I choose to love my enemies. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we choose you. We choose you, God. It's an upside-down kingdom. But God, we choose you. Lord, your word says who the Son has set free is free indeed. And God, we no longer want to be cast in that prison, but God, we want to soar like wings of eagles. So I thank you for every person this morning, God. And Lord, I thank you for that, that revolution of love that's been set free this morning. You know, there's another scripture that perhaps we don't like, but we need a well-rounded gospel. It says in Matthew 6.15, but if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. My friends, I'm proud of you. The choice is yours and you chose well. So Lord, I ask right now by your Spirit that you would seal the work that you've accomplished this morning. Lord, we choose love over hate. We choose you over the enemy. And may you be glorified in each one of our lives. God, we're going to blow it. We're going to make mistakes. But Lord, help us not to revert to our old ways. And Lord, when you do, we give you permission by your spirit to just check it. Check us, God, and say, no, 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 no. That's not who you are. Remember, you made a declaration. You're free. And you're no longer going to walk down that road. I bless you this morning in the name of Jesus.
Halleluja. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.